welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Join us as we talk with national experts and advocates about strategies you can use in the pursuit of quality long-term care. In this discussion with Robin Grant and Jocelyn Bogdan of Consumer Voice, we'll talk about what family advocacy looks like on both the national and local level during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, I'm Jocelyn Bogdan with the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. Welcome to today's episode of Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Even before COVID, families have played a key role in advocating for their loved ones in nursing homes. For many of these families, as a lot of you know, their jobs got harder when facilities shut down visitation in March. But even as visitation slowly opens back up, many are still struggling with how best to advocate for their family members. Something important to remember is that even during the COVID-19 pandemic, residents still retain almost all of the rights they've always had, including, and importantly, the right to expect and receive quality individualized care. The right to person-centered care is more important than ever right now. But for families, ensuring that their loved ones are receiving that high level of care during the pandemic can sometimes be difficult. Today, we're talking with Robin Grant, Consumer Voices Policy Director, about how families can advocate for their loved ones and for all residents, both on the local level and nationwide. Hi, Robin. Thanks for being here today. Hey, Jocelyn. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. Um, So to start off, how has COVID changed how families advocate for their loved ones in nursing homes? Well, um, with the visitation limitations that have come with COVID, so in some cases a complete lockdown, and now, as you mentioned, a little bit of an easing up, um, it's just harder for families to do that because to really advocate, um, it's it's important to be able to monitor uh, how your loved one is doing, to physically monitor, um, and to speak up. And when families have limited, if any, access physically to um, sort of being there in person and directly Mm -hmm. seeing and connecting with their loved one, um, that makes it much harder. And also, if you're physically in the facility and you're visiting with your loved one, um, you can pop up and you can go talk to a staff person about a concern you might have or just go to the nurse's station. It's much, um, it's harder to do that um, faster and more directly um, when you're not there. So at the same time, though, many of the strategies that people normally use still apply. So I want uh, that that is important to know. It's it's a different mm-hmm. world, but not completely different. Great. So so we know that visitation, as you said, has has changed dramatically, and there's still some. There's outdoor visitation happening in several places, and there's visitation via iPads and things like that, via technology. But with so many families still being denied regular indoor visits, how can those families still monitor the conditions the way you were describing, you know, if they can't physically be there? It's certainly much more challenging. Um, So the important thing is to do whatever you can, if possible, to um, sort of have eyes on your loved one. 
Um, so uh, indoor visitation is definitely severely um, um, curtailed, but outdoor visits, if at all possible, um, we know that there's a lot of video conferencing going on. So trying to, to do whatever you can to, to um, have that opportunity to um, actually see your loved one, um, at least virtually. Um, window visits um, uh, are a possibility as well, because that way you can at least, um, uh, of course, depending on where the window is um, and your loved one in the room, um, but you can have eyes on that way. So those are important ways. Um, if for some reason those um, opportunities for some reason are just not possible, um, it really suggests that families ask staff to um, take maybe even just a small little video of their of their loved one mm -hmm. or even just a photo and send it to them so at least they can see them. That makes sense. Um, and so along with that, how can how can families sort of stay aware of the conditions within the facility itself? And also, what information are they entitled to get from the facility? So I think um, sort of um, look, listen, and learn, I think, are, are three, three L's that are helpful here. Um, um, so um, look um, is, as we said, put eyes on your loved one, do whatever you can, but then um, look for specific things. Look to see um, if there's been weight loss. I mean, does their face look much, much thinner? Um, look to see um, if their hair has been um, washed and brushed. Um, do they look well taken care of? Um, do, are there um, uh, lips, you know, dry and cracked, indicating the possibility maybe of, um, of dehydration. Have their nails been trimmed? So look to see, um, you know, how they're doing. Um, are they being, uh, look at their personal um, appearance. Um, and also, you know, look to see if there are any grimaces or facial expressions that might indicate that they're mm -hmm. in pain or, or not not doing well. So that's that's one way. So that's mm -hmm. the that's the look, but also listen. So if um, if your loved one can communicate with you, um, ask questions. So ask how are they doing? Um, ask how they spend their time. Um, ask them if they're able to leave their rooms because we're hearing that residents right. who have been confined to their rooms. Ask if they have um, opportunity to be with other residents. Um, ask things like, you know, are you getting the help you need? You know, is there enough staff to, mm -hmm. to take care of you? Um, are you being bathed? Um, how often? How's your food? So just ask um, a number of, 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 of questions um, about how they're doing. Um, and then um, the last one is sort of learn. Just ask for updates um, from the facility. Um, you know, facilities, um, we, know, we know of many facilities that on a regular basis are providing information to family members. They may do that through a call, they may do that through an email, but um, request that you have at least weekly contact uh, or information um, provided to you. And also, um, if there's something in particular about your loved one, you want to make sure that you're monitoring, ask that staff include that information in an update as well. So I think those things can, um, can help. Great. So 
so let's say you're a family member, you do all of those things and you're concerned. So what, what steps can you take um, when, again, you might not be able to get into the facility, but what, what can you do if you're listening and seeing things and seeing some of the things you mentioned, like dry lips and, you know, you see, you see signs that, that make you worried. Um, what, what can you do? So if I could actually double back a little bit, I realized that sure. you asked what information uh, families are entitled to um, yes. or, or should be getting. And, and I apologize for not having answered that because that's a very important question. Um, so um, facilities should be providing information to families about uh, the status of COVID in the, in the facility. Um, okay. So if there is um, a confirmed case of COVID, um, the facility must tell um, family members about that confirmed case by 5 p.m. You know, the next day following the confirmation of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really important um, for families to know that they have the right to that information and ask for it um, uh, if, if the facility is not forthcoming with it, because they really should have that information. Um, facilities also should be telling uh, family members what they're doing to prevent the spread. And that's really important that families know specifically the steps that are being taken um, because then they can ask their loved one if about some of those. Um, if they're able to actually um, see staff at all, they can observe um, if precautions are being taken, like if staff mm -hmm. are wearing masks. Um, one other um, thing in terms of information, facilities um, don't have to provide this information, but they are required to be reporting to the federal government the number of deaths in the facility from both COVID and non-COVID related um, conditions. Um, so ask the facility about that. Um, this information, since it has to be disclosed publicly, I mean, there's really no reason for the facility not to disclose it, but that's important information for families to have, and they should know that there is, um, that information is available publicly if they can't get it through the facility. Great. Um, so let's see. Well, let wait, let me, okay. hold okay. on, hold on. I will just add to that also, um, because you mentioned if there is COVID in the facility, but also facilities are required to give that type of information about what they're doing to families weekly if there is no COVID in the facility um, and still give them those cumulative updates on what's happening. So even if you're in a facility that where there are no COVID cases, you still have the right to that information. So absolutely throw yeah. that out there. So if, when, whenever a case occurs, you should find out by 5 p.m. the next day and on a weekly basis, you should, um, you should know about the overall status. Great. So, yeah. so yeah, so then to, to go back, so let's say that your facility has given you updates, but like you said, you're kind of watching the staff when you're doing a video call and you don't see them doing, wearing their PPE or doing what they should be doing. What, what steps can you take if you're concerned with what you're hearing or seeing or learning about the facility? Um, there are actually a number of steps that um, a family member um, can take, depending on the nature of, of the issue. So certainly um, the, the first thing to try is to talk directly to staff to raise the problem. Mm -hmm. You wanna do that uh, really as soon as possible. So you're not letting a lot of time elapse uh, from when the issue is occurring mm -hmm. um, to when you're talking about it. Um, and start by talking to the, the staff person who appears to be the most directly involved. So that might be an aide. 
Um, and if that's not leading to resolution, you know, use the, the chain of command um, in the facility. So um, the staff person has a staff supervisor go to the supervisor. If that's not working, go to a department head. And if that's not working, go, go to the administrator. Um, so um, make sure to, to say something, you know, it's the old see something, say something. Right. Um, but also just um, um, uh, it's important to be specific about what your concern is and provide um, details. Um, so you know, just saying oh, things are terrible is a little hard for somebody to respond to in terms of, well, what, what can I do to fix it? Uh, and also, I just encourage people to take notes. I mean, if you talk to somebody, mm -hmm. um, write down who you talked to, when you talked to them, and what they said they would do. So you kind of have a, a paper trail, and you can track track things. So right. talking directly to staff, raising the issue there is a very important step to take. Um, you can also use the facility grievance process. Every facility must have um, a process. So in order to find out what that is in your loved one's facility, you will have to ask for a copy of the facility um, policy and then follow it and, and use it. Um, all complaints must be looked into. Um, you must get a response in writing um, about what they found and what they're doing about it. Um, so that's, um, that's, a, that's an important way to go. I would also encourage people while you can file a complaint orally, you can file it anonymously. Um, it's, I would suggest filing it um, definitely in writing. If, if at all possible, because that way you can be more precise um, and you know exactly the information that's being communicated um, to them. Um, the care plan conference, if there's an issue about care, and mm -hmm. if it's ongoing, that can be a really good place uh, for families to raise concerns. So there will be um, a care plan conference at least quarterly, but families can always ask for a special care plan conference. Great. So um, uh, just real brief, that's a, way, a place where family will come together with staff, in the resident as well, if he or she is able to and wants to, um, to talk about the specific issue and what could be done about it. And ideally at its best, everybody is trying to figure out what can we do? You come up with an approach um, and then it gets implemented. So um, you'll want to, if you're a family member, to make sure to um, ask for a copy of the care plan. So you make sure it makes it in there right. and, and, to, and to monitor it um, as well. And when you've had that conversation, make sure that you find out um, who's the person to go to um, between now and the next care plan conference um, if things aren't going quite the way um, they're supposed to. So, so that's, that's another avenue. And then um, lastly, I'll just mention that going to the family council can also be a really effective way um, to solve, um, or to address a problem, particularly if um, you think it's an issue that's not just affecting your loved one, but affecting others. So the family council is, mm -hmm. is a group of family members, sometimes also of friends of residents who come together um, and um, raise concerns to facility administration about issues that are impacting um, most, if not all, residents and it can be a very effective um, 
um, approach. So find out if there's a family council in your mm -hmm. loved one facility. Uh, if there is, join it. And if not, seriously consider forming one. And on our um, website, we have lots of information about how to um, form a family council. We even have a family council center. And that website um, address is www.theconsumervoice.org. And don't forget the the. Thank you. Um, thanks for throwing in the website. Um, and yeah, we're, I'm going to come back to family councils in a minute or two. But um, I just want to say that, you know, I know we both talked to a lot of family members. And I do think that there have been people who maybe before COVID weren't even aware that family councils existed. And now they're excited to find out they have them in their facilities. They're starting to form them in their facilities. So it's it's a great resource that we can talk about a little bit more yeah, in a few minutes. Yeah, I, I'd, um, I'd like to talk about it a little more. Yeah. Um, so, so beyond raising this with the nursing home staff and sort of dealing with it internally with the administration or with the family council, where can people look beyond the facility itself for help? Um, so, First of all, I would um, encourage people to contact the long-term um, long care ombudsman program. Um, mm -hmm. Long-term care ombudsmen are advocates for residents. They work to resolve concerns about uh, care uh, or in fact any aspect of, of, of life in the facility. And um, they can be um, just a great help in, in trying to um, work through a problem. Um, so we have information on our website um, about the ombudsman um, uh, that would be covering your loved one's facility. Every facility in the country has an ombudsman attached to it in some way, shape, or form. Um, and on our website, you can find information. You can actually drill right. down to the county where your facility is located and find that person. So that's yeah, I'll just I'll throw out that when you go to the website, um, www.theconsumervoice.org, um, at the top, you'll see tabs, there's a get help tab. And when you go to that get help tab, you'll see a map and you'll see all the states listed. And that's where you can go to find that information. So it's very easy to find. But. So along with um, the ombudsman information on there, there um, is other information about places outside the, the nursing home where you can get help um, or, or, or file a complaint about, about a concern. So in addition to the ombudsman program, um, I would really urge people to file a complaint with uh, the state survey agency. I think on the website, it's called licensing and certification. So a number of different things, but this is the entity um, in the state that um, regulates and, and oversees nursing homes. So um, I would suggest that people file a, a complaint. Again, it's best, I think, to file a written complaint about whatever mm -hmm. the concern is. Um, and the agency is tasked with investigating the complaint and determining if the facility is violating um, a regulation. In this COVID world, um, there have been some um, uh, suspension of, of some of right. the survey um, activities. Um, 
complaint investigation has been cut back. It's now appears to be um, happening more frequently. Regardless, it's really important to file that complaint because right. we, we don't know exactly um, how, uh, what agencies are doing with each of the complaints, how they're deciding what, what they're going to go out on. But it's important because you never know how they will um, assess the, 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 um, right. the priority of the complaint. Um, and it's important, uh, if nothing else, to, to, to go on record. Um, mm -hmm. So file the complaint. Um, there are some other agencies too, if you're concerned about abuse um, or neglect. Um, and sadly, we are hearing um, stories of, of, of neglect um, during the, the, the pandemic. So adult protective services um, in most states, or in many states, I, I should say, um, will investigate um, allegations of abuse and neglect in nursing home settings. Um, so see if that is the case and in, in your mm -hmm. state and file a complaint. There's also um, uh, an entity out of the Attorney General's office and it's called the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. And they will go in and, and um, will do um, uh, an investigation into abuse or neglect. One of the aspects of neglect they'll look at is failure, uh, failure to care, failure to provide services. And so that, that um, sadly might be um, appropriate um, at, in right. some instances um, based on what we're, what we're hearing. So all that information is um, available on our website under that get, get help. Thanks. Great. Um, if I could just say there are, just a few other places that people might want to consider going. Um, I talked about going up the chain of the command. The administrator, every administrator reports to someone something. So go up the nursing home, outside the nursing home chain of command. That might be, if it's a for-profit corporation, it might be a regional manager for the corporation. Uh, frankly, I've had family members that have gone to the CEO. I've had family councils that have gone to the CEO and have been successful. So don't think, That's oh, there's great. no way, <laughs> no way, mm -hmm. you know, anything's gonna happen if I get, that is not necessarily the case. For-profit, um, not-for-profit, I should say, nursing homes have a different structure. So they report to a board of directors. So there's a, you know, you can um, contact the um, chair of the board of directors, um, send something to all the directors. I mean, so, so go above the administrator if necessary. I've definitely seen um, that make a difference um, when that's... the administrator's boss <laughs> tells them <laughs> that they need to do something. So that's one way. Um, also, uh, again, that there's a bureaucratic um, agency chain of command. So if the state survey agency isn't responding, go above them. And that would be the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, so there's a regional office and a central office. You know, we're having families now that are emailing um, the administrator of CMS herself. So um, there's absolutely no reason not, not to do that. So go up that chain of camp command. There are elder law firms um, out there um, that can provide assistance. Um, many elder lawyers are there to um, help their clients who may be the... the um, 
resident sons or daughters um, or even spouse um, and who will um, may be able to help to intervene, to speak up, to contact the facility in a way that can make a difference. So that's, that's an option as well. Um, so um, there's more if you'd like me to go on in terms of well, like let's, officials or? Let's, let's hang on for a minute. Um, okay. I also just wanna add though to that, um, something that I've been telling family members, if they're reaching out to CMS, even if they're reaching out to the top of CMS or they're reaching out to CEOs of their um, for-profit nursing home, in addition to just emailing, use social media, tweet at them. A lot of times companies respond better when somebody's coming at them on social media because more people see it. So for the past two weeks, when I've talked to family members, I've just said, you know, tweet, tweet at CMS. Don't just, don't just send an email that no one else sees, but go after them on social media. It works when you do it with other types of corporations or when you have a product that doesn't work. And so this is, it's, it's another avenue to try when you're reaching out, especially to people higher up who you're concerned they might not look at your email um they're more likely to catch something that's coming at them yeah, on social i love media. it i love yeah. it yeah um, i'm adding that to my list that's excellent a um so one thing i just want to come back to you talked a little bit about the ombudsman program a minute ago um i just could could we just talk about that for one more minute because something that i've realized again sort of like with family councils when, when I talk to family members, and it might be the same for you, some of them say, oh, yes, I've reached out to the ombudsman office. Other people say they don't even know what that is. Um, and so I think it's really important to emphasize what, what this program is and how it can help people. So if you could just kind of hone in on that for a minute. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I said earlier, the ombudsman is um, an advocate for residents, and um, they are um, mandated. Um, to look into problems um, on or behalf of, of, of residents and do whatever they can to try to resolve the problem. So the goal is um, not just to do the investigation, that, that's just a means to the end, is to try to resolve the issue in a way that works for the resident. So ombudsmen are resident directed and it's really important for family members to know that. Um, so ombudsmen legally have to be directed by what the resident wants. Um, so um, what an ombudsman would do if they got a complaint from, from, um, from a family member um, is get information from you, the family member, but then they, they are um, required to go to the resident and get resident consent. So they would look mm -hmm. into the problem um, and work to resolve it if that's what the resident wants. Because sometimes um, that, it may not be um, a problem to the resident. It may right. be something that, you know, as a family member you see and are concerned about, but maybe your mom isn't. Um, or it may be because your loved one lives there 24 hours a day. She's not comfortable bringing a concern forward at this time for whatever reason. So, um, but very often, um, so know that that is, a, um, those are the parameters for ombudsman. But um, a lot of the time um, when family members report a concern, the ombudsman will check in with the resident. The resident also will be concerned and then um, the ombudsman will, will look into it to try to get the facts and get the information and then really um, 
work with the, the residents and, and staff to resolve it. So one of um, what the ombudsman bring um, is knowledge. They are trained in the federal laws and the federal regulations, state laws, regulations. Um, they're trained in investigative and resolution techniques. So um, they, they also have a relationship. I mean, they, um, in, in many cases, have been in the facility frequently, know the staff, know who they should go to, um, are trusted and respected and, and can help in, um, in working things out. So um, their services are free, they're confidential. So um, it's probably the best first place that somebody could go if they have a complaint or a concern. And I wanna add that their, their resolution rate of, of either partially resolving or completely resolving a complaint to the satisfaction of the resident is, oh, it's around, um, uh, you know, 75% or so. So it's- I didn't know that. That's, that's awesome. And you put those together. Yes, they, they, are, they are usually very successful. That's great. Um, I just want to emphasize one thing you just mentioned. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently. Um, one gentleman who was very upset, I mean, justifiably so, that he hasn't been able to see his wife, made the comment actually in a voicemail that he left that his rights are being violated because he can't visit his wife. And so he, everything else he said was very legitimate. But when we talked, I explained to him that he doesn't have the right to visit. So, so what you mentioned about the residents' rights, that's where these rights lie. So when family members are advocating for their loved ones in facilities, they need to remember that the right for visitation, all of these things lie with the resident, not the family members. Um, and you know, you mentioned that when you were talking about the ombudsman, but I think as, as families sort of frame the problems, they need to be aware of that, that it's the person in the facility who has the right to these things and it's not it's not the family. Um, right, there's a residence bill of rights. That's how, that's how right. it's phrased, it's, it's not, you know, they're right. um, for, for, for family. So it's the residents' right to, to visit. If I could just build on that, one other sure. point is while well, we're talking about rights, um, broaden that to regulations. It's just really important for family members to do what they can to educate themselves about what those rights are um, and what the facility's obligations are. So they should know that they have, um, there has to be a care plan that um, residents um, must be um, allowed to and invited to participate, that there is a role for family members. And they, they should know what, they, what, what the facility is required to do. Because if you right. don't know, you can't expect that and then in essence actually demand it. Right. Yep what facilities are supposed to be doing. Yeah, you can't advocate if you don't know what you're advocating That's for. Right. You don't know what you don't know. So, um, so to, to come back to, I said I would come back to family councils. Um, if we could just briefly talk a little bit more about family councils and how they can help you enhance your individual advocacy and how that, how that works. Um, so as an individual family member, you're there advocating um, to uh, on behalf of your loved one. So you're trying to get a specific concern that impacts you know, your loved one um, addressed. So that's, that's obviously very important. What a family council then brings to that is it's a group of families um, who together um, are advocating to get things um, changed for improvements for 
the majority, if not all, nursing home residents. So they are connected, um, individual and family council advocacy, um, but um, each um, are, are, are important in and of themselves. Um, the beauty um, and importance of a family council is that um, the vast majority of the time, the problem that is affecting your loved one is something that others are affecting. So staffing is, comes, comes to mind. Um, mm -hmm. You may be concerned that there's not enough staff to provide care to your loved one. I would just put money down <laughs> that that is also a problem for others. And so when the family council takes um, the issue, there is, um, strength in numbers so that's more than one person it's harder to discount a you know group of people um, and there's also safety um, sometimes family members are concerned about speaking up on their own and in a family right. council it's a group it's not one individual um, and um, it's it's um, family councils can um, have more power um, obviously than than an individual speaking up but you need both because right. not, not all individual issues will, will apply to others in the facility. So you have to have both. Great, thank you. Um, so I, you know, I know again we've we've both spoken to family members who have done all of these things, um, who have reached out to the staff in the facility, who have gone up to the administrator, who've reached out to their long-term care ombudsman, who have maybe joined or tried to start a family council, who filed a complaint with the state survey agency. Um, What's next? You know, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple things already about going mm -hmm. um, higher up, but what else can you do if you're unable to get results? I think right now, especially, there are people who just feel incredibly frustrated that, you know, no matter how hard the ombudsman is working or, you know, even if they file their complaints, they're mm -hmm. still not seeing a result. So what, what can we tell them? What can, what can they do? Yeah. I know that it is just, it's so distressing and, and upsetting when you're seeing um, your loved one experiencing a problem and you're doing, you know, you've done all those things and you're not getting results. And um, I think it's just important um, not, not to give up um, and, and to keep on, even though I know that it's, 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 it can be really hard and really frustrating. So first of all, you have an important story. Uh, what you're observing, what your loved one is experiencing is very important for others to know. So share your story. Um, share your story um, with elected officials like uh, your governor, your um, state legislators, your mm -hmm. members of Congress. Um, they need to know what's going on in, in nursing homes um, so that um, they become aware of it um, and Hopefully we'll step up to the plate and do something about it. But also right. when you share your story, ask them specifically to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Very often um, our elected officials don't, don't really hear from family members. Um, I can tell you, um, since we do work with members of Congress, they will tell us that they have heard from members of the nursing home industry, but they haven't really heard from family members. Tell your story and share it and then ask specifically for them to, to do legislation or to put pressure on the state survey agency or, or, or to take, take action. Um, we have to uh, create a groundswell, I think, um, mm -hmm. um, to get the attention that this issue needs in order to, to, to see something. 
um, to, to see um, some action. Um, so share your story. We also, I will add um, on our website, have a place where people can go and, and um, post their story and read about others. And so that's, um, that's important as well because we are taking those stories and using them in our advocacy. So know that your story will become part of how we're making the case to federal officials and, and members of Congress. Um, so tell your story. I've talked about um, legislators, so you go directly to them, contact your legislators. Mm -hmm. I think very often people feel, what's the point? I'm just one voice, nobody will listen to me. But as a constituent, you have power. Um, I know that because when we go and talk to members of Congress, they are always much more interested in what a constituent is saying to them than, than to what um, you know we are because the constituent obviously elected them. Um, so um, think about what you want to ask them. Go talk about what you're experiencing. Go with others. If you're in a family council, family council could mm -hmm. have a meeting and you can do this all virtually now, which is of course how thing, things are happening. But talk, tell, tell, um, go to your elected officials. Um, reach out to the media. We are seeing that um, more, uh, there's a great interest right now on the part of the media in, in what is happening in nursing homes. Um, and media is, is, is looking um, often for people to, to talk to, but um, if you have an experience, reach out to your local paper, your state paper, you know, go beyond that. Um, because we are seeing that when something makes it into the media, it can have an impact. We, we have seen um, action on behalf, for example, of the federal government because of pressure from the media. So, um, you know, reach out to the media. Um, and um, I will just say, lastly, consider, um, or, or not even consider, join an advocacy organization and we would urge you to, to join um, Consumer Voice. Um, there's power in numbers. Um, by joining us, you help um, increase our numbers so we can put more pressure um, on um, federal officials to make changes. Um, when you join with others, it's a way to kind of channel also some of that, that frustration that you may be right. feeling because you'll be taking action um, to contact officials, send messages um, to help us um, or help all of us um, make changes um, in these laws and these regulations or, or, or push um, federal agencies to take the action that is necessary to protect residents um, during, um, during COVID. So um, we give people lots of opportunities to, to get involved. We send out action alerts. We give, we give family members the, the tools they need to contact their elected officials and, and um, uh, make, make a difference. So that can be a way to feel like you're part of something bigger and helping right. to change the, 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 the system so that it helps everybody. 
Thank you. I think I think that's really helpful. Um, and I think you're right. You know, a lot of people sometimes feel like they're whether it's their local elected officials or whether it's their congressmen. Sometimes people feel a little bit of like, oh, you know, like they're not going to listen to me or I can't reach out to them. But not only are the family members their constituents, but so are the families, the, the people in nursing homes, um, nursing home residents are their constituents. They need to know what's going on and what's happening to them. So you have every right to do that. Um, and also just quickly, I wanna add a success story with the media. Um, someone emailed us a few months ago um, and you know we gave them you know, much of the same advice I think that Robin, you've been sharing today. And then a few weeks ago, we got an email saying, you know, my story made the paper. Like, you know, I talked to this reporter and this is, I mean, it was a sad story. So it's not, you know, that exciting, but it is exciting that, and this was a resident himself, but who was able to reach out and actually get the attention on the issue that he needed. Oh, wow. So yeah, so sometimes, sometimes these things really do work and they're always worth trying. Um, but thank you for Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, Sorry. I, just, I just wanted you? to say um, to, to folks that um, not to give up, um, that I know this, this is an incredibly hard time and the, um, the, the problems and concerns are, are very serious. Um, and it, yes. it can be very easy to just get in, incredibly um, down and, and, and discouraged and, and um, we just want to encourage you and, and urge you to, um, to try to keep going, um, reach out to, to us, join, join with others um, to, to increase um, your power and, and just don't give up. Um, because I think if, if we do, we end up sending a message that what's happening is okay. Yeah, even tacitly. And so, and, and that's not okay because what is happening now to residents um, in, in, far too often is just, um, is horrendous. So um, keep, keep, keep at it and know that uh, you're, you're doing everything you can to make a difference. And that's, that's just the, the one last thing. Know that it's really hard and can be very discouraging, but you are doing everything you can and that's all you can do. Great, that's, that's so true. Um, I just wanna add um, that Robin mentioned that we have um, a place to share your story on our website. We also have um, a new survey if you do get into a facility or if you're being kept from a facility um, that you can fill in um, and that we have a lot of other really great resources. Um, we have an entire fact sheet on family advocacy, on family council advocacy, um, all of which you can find again at www.theconsumervoice.org. Um, and you know, there's a new visitation page where there's advice on if you are being allowed to visit, if you're not being allowed to visit, um, more advocacy tips and things like that. So I would encourage everyone to visit. Um, and thanks again, Robin, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.